Welcome to Hoosier Ag This Week. I'm Eric Pfeiffer from Hoosier Ag Today, and we're running down the top news in Indiana and U.S. agriculture and doing so today from Orlando, Florida. Beautiful, sunny Orlando, Florida, and Commodity Classic. We'll have plenty of stories from down here. We'll go throw it back to Indiana as well and hear from Andy Eubank on the markets also. But we want to kick things off today by talking about some things that have been happening here this past week. And I couldn't think of a better person to do it when I ran into him on the floor yesterday. This gentleman, correct me if I'm wrong, Alan Kemper is here. He farms in Tippecanoe County. Alan, you've served as the president of both the American Soybean Association and the National Corn Growers Association, correct? That's correct. Uh, we did the 1989 and 1990 Farm Bill as president of the Corn Growers. And then came around about 12, 15 years later and became president of ASA. So you've got some interesting insights here, Alan. And just a little while ago here, as we sit here and chat, Secretary Tom Vilsack was on stage here at Commodity Classic. There are a lot of issues facing agriculture right now. And one, probably one of the most important at the moment, is this Mexican corn ban on GMO products. We're seeing a lot of news. I know USDA, U.S. Trade Representative's Office this week asked for some more detailed talks with Mexico on that. What are you hearing? What did you hear from Tom Vilsack about what's going on in that arena? Because this could be a big hit to uh, Indiana, U.S. corn growers. Should this go into effect the way Mexico really wanted it to? I know they've, they've held back a little bit here on some of the yellow corn, but really this could be kind of scary if it all goes through. Well, first of all, you have to realize that Mexico is one of our largest importers of U.S. corn. But I want to preface this whole conversation by going back to 1990s when NAFTA was formed and NAFTA North American Free Trade Association involved Canada and Mexico. And Mexico at that time negotiated an agreement with every commodity except corn back then. And they were so worried about their corn farmers and, and particularly white corn farmers that produce white corn as well as a high fructose corn sugar because of their sugar industry. And we got through that. Now we fast forward now to the U.S., Mexican, Canada trade agreement and with their concern again by the white corn and protecting their corn farmers, which is a legitimate, uh, legitimate concern on their part, but also then by again biotech in the yellow corn process. I think with Secretary Zvilsek help and the U.S. Trade Representative, United States Trade Representative's office, I think we'll come to a conclusion. Uh, both countries need each other, huge trading partners uh, with that. We have so many other problems. We got drug cartels, we got immigration, we got illegal immigration and such, that this is, to agriculture it's a huge, but in the overall dynamics is one, two or three trading things. Alan Kemper here on Hoosier Ag This Week from Hoosier Ag Today. Again, uh, Tippecanoe County farmer, former president of NCGA ASA down here in Orlando at Commodity Classic. And Alan, uh, let's just talk a little bit about what we heard, uh, what else you heard from Secretary Tom Vilsack out there. Uh, I know China is, is a big concern. Did that come up in his speech at all today? Or is that just kind of an overriding concern that maybe we just know it's there and maybe he didn't touch on today? As you looked over the past past year, particularly with 62% of the U.S. export beans going to China, and with it being over around $36 billion total ag purchases from the U.S., 
China's a major concern, and the secretary addressed it, and it's being addressed a lot during the policy sessions and here on the floor of the whole situation with Ukraine and how China might be lining up with the former Soviet Union, Russia, uh, to do some things on weapons and how it might affect, block the wheat, um, wheat coming out of the Ukraine with that. We have to realize, I think, and a lot of us in agriculture have to realize China really needs American ag products, and they need South American too, I mean, with them. The, the amount of population they have with that. So it's a concern to watch, um, and, and we'll have to watch it going forward. We cannot afford to lose that market. Yeah. Alan Kemper here. Alan, we're rapidly approaching to kind of shift from policy. I know there's a lot of policy going on down here, and I'm sure you've got much more to say, but we're, we're rapidly approaching planting season here, and things are really going to get going here real quick. What, what do things look like out there on, on Kemper Farms in Tippecanoe County? Hearing from a lot of folks that, you know, this, you know, they thought maybe last year was going to be the most expensive crop they've ever put in the ground. Is this year more so? I think so, and I farm with my senior partner, Brian, who's my son. As we looked at, we were pricing into this into the wintertime on fertilizers, just making sure with the supply chain management you have to do now in agriculture, making sure to have all those products in-house with that. But the west central part of Indiana had a pretty severe drought going last year, so we picked up enough moisture from it now to... Uh, to make us happy, so it's baking the rest of the Indiana is doing that. So, so it's time to make sure you get repairs, make sure supply chain has the parts that you may need for the future of that, and just get everything uh, in house, so to speak, with that. Alan Kemper, Tippecanoe County farmer, former president of both the American Soybean Association and National Corn Growers Association. Alan, I hope you enjoyed your time in Orlando. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you very much. Let's kick it back to Indiana now. Andy, we're sunshine, 80s here in Orlando. How are things back there in Indiana? Oh, that's great news, Eric. Glad for you. Back here, it feels like winter again. So you enjoy yourself, and we'll just have to toughen out here back in Indiana. I did speak with Brian Basting of Advanced Trading for his thoughts on the week in the markets, which ended the week mixed, but it was largely liquidation throughout the week. Yeah, we'll start out with the corn market, Andy, because that's where it's been most pronounced as such, along with the wheat, of course. But in corn, the USDA on Wednesday in their supply-demand report reduced their export forecast for 22-23 by 75 million bushels. Now, that went directly into a larger carryout estimate. For 22-23, it's up to 1.34 billion bushel. That's not necessarily an extremely burdensome number. However, it is moving in a direction that stocks uh, are no longer tightening on that balance sheet, which we've seen for quite some time. Um, there's also a bias, it seems, in the market that that one reduction that we saw in exports on Wednesday may not be the only one we see. Uh, because the export sales pace, export shipment pace of corn is still falling short of what's needed to reach that revised number. So bottom line is the first half of the crop year, which ended in February, uh, our exports were sharply below last year. Our unshipped sales, sales that are on the books but not yet shipped to China, for example, are down 95% from last year. So China is shifting their, their focus now to, to getting their imports from Brazil. Bottom line is that 134 carryout number is vulnerable to, to growing and further reports pending our stocks report at the end of the month, which give us an idea of feeding. But 
switching back briefly to old crop corn, looking at the lowest price, Andy, since August of last year now for May corn futures at about 6.15 a bushel. So you have to go back all the way to August to see prices this low. Just a reminder to your listeners, in my opinion, it's really important to, if you're still holding those old crop bushels to defend your balance sheet because there is no protection unless you have uh, Ford sold those bushels or have an option position or a futures position in place from further downside risk. So weak export market in corn, same story in, in wheat. Wheat is searching for demand at this point, Andy. Um, we got a fierce competitive environment in the export market, Russia. Uh, Australia shipped the most wheat it's ever shipped for any particular month in January. So uh, a fierce export market. Uh, we, we're just kind of the residual supplier, if you will, on, on wheat exports. At the moment, wheat is trying to find demand on the feed side. The, the wheat corn spread is at the lowest um, price it's been for quite some time. Brian Basting advanced trading with his analysis. I'm Andy Eubank. All right, Andy, thanks. Let's get some numbers now from Friday. We closed out the week at 617 and a quarter on May corn, up five and three quarters. July up four and three quarters to 606 and a half. Deese corn up four and a quarter to 557 and three quarters. May beans down three and three quarters, 1507. July down four, 1494 and three quarters. And Novi beans down two and a half to 1357 and a half. May wheat gained 13 and a half, 679 and a quarter. In livestock, April live cattle down 52 cents, 164.27. And April lean hogs up 237 to 87.45. That's the weekend show market review. We've got much more to come from Orlando and Commodity Classic. But next, it's the Indiana Farm Forecast with Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin on Hoosier Ag this week. A new year and another crop. It's time to get more bushels for less. It's time to fight back with Maristem Crop Performance and Spring Applied Excavator. Excavator, powered by Microbolize, breaks residue down fast, unleashing big nutrients for your next crop. Research shows yield increases of four to nine bushels per acre, depending on your operation. Fight back with the right tools, like Excavator, from Maristem Crop Performance. Find your local dealer at maristemag.com. A cold weekend sets up a colder week. I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin with Hoosier Ag Today's Weekend Ag Weather Outlook. Mother Nature trying to remind us that she's not quite done yet. A very strong cold air blast moved in yesterday behind a frontal complex that entered into the area. And here today, it's on its way to tightening its grip over the region. Now, the good news is clouds have broken up. And for your Saturday, at least, we're turning out partly sunny in this cool air mass. We also have another frontal complex building to our west. As a matter of fact, as you move through this evening, you're going to be seeing a significant round of snow all the way from Minnesota down through Iowa. Snow changing to rain in Missouri. Now, as that moisture moves towards us, it holds together enough so that we see some hit and miss scattered snow showers over Indiana for the overnight period going into Sunday morning. And then we also see some scattered rain showers lingering down in southwest Indiana. Liquid equivalent totals of this moisture, a few hundreds to probably two or three tenths, so it's not a big deal. But your Sunday, definitely cloudier and a little bit damp as we start things off. Going into next week, we are seeing the cold air tightness grip over the region Monday and Tuesday. Canadian high pressure sitting right on top of us. Even into Wednesday morning, we're chilly. But Wednesday afternoon, we start to see temperatures moderate and strong south flow is in here Thursday. Temperatures above normal, and it's also ahead of our next front. 
That front shows up on Friday this coming week and bringing us rain, maybe a few thunderstorms, but right now I'm going to say a quarter to one inch of rain. Coverage at 90% of the state. Cold air coming in behind that, so we have to watch for rain to end as snow maybe in a few eastern Indiana locations. But we're back to cold Canadian air dominating the charge all the way through Saturday and Sunday of this next weekend. High pressure in control. Going then into Monday, the 20th, cold air sits here, probably hangs around through Tuesday, the 21st. By midweek, we expect some significant temperature moderation once again. Now, as we take a look longer term, we are seeing warm air versus cold air be the main driver of a precipitation. So, for example, uh, we probably see another frontal complex trying to come in here close to the 22nd. So that's midweek of the week of the 20th. Rain for the most part, but maybe rain ending as a little bit of snow. But from the 23rd forward, you're actually ending up with this west to east destriation of air masses. Cold air to the north, warm air to the south. And every time cold air tries to make an incursion on warm air, uh, we wring out a little bit of moisture. Every time warm air moves back north, uh, we allow the atmosphere to pick up more moisture that can get wrung out the next time around. Mother Nature is going to be flip-flopping back and forth quite handily in the last 10 days of March and going into early April, the way it seems at least right now. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. Acre Pro Midwest Farm Group are your local farmland specialists. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local Acre Pro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502. Welcome back to Hoosier Ag This Week. I'm Eric Pfeiffer from Hoosier Ag Today in Orlando for Commodity Classic. We've been down here throughout the week. Plenty of news coming from here, and our coverage has been brought to you by Seed Genetics Direct, the only independent seed company here at the Commodity Classic. You can learn more at SeedGeneticsDirect.com. And by the Indiana Corn Marketing Council and Indiana Soybean Alliance, your corn and soybean checkoff investments yesterday are paying off today. Check it out at yourcheckoff.org. New uses, new markets, new places to go with our soybeans we produce in Indiana. And that's the ultimate goal at the end of the day is to get rid of more beans, get rid of more beans. And that's Brazil, Indiana farmer Kevin Cox. He's also vice chair of the Indiana Soybean Alliance. He recently traveled to Dubai for the world's largest food exhibition, with about 70,000 people in attendance. And so Indiana's the largest producer of the Ohio Lake soybean oil, and so we were there to discuss the benefits of that product. And so we're hoping to get into that market. Right now we're producing more and more all the time, but uh, the demand is growing, and so keeping up with that demand is going to be the challenge. Cox says he's grateful for the partnerships they have with organizations like the U.S. Soybean Export Council, U.S. Grains Council, the U.S. Meat Export Federation, and the USA Poultry and Egg Export Council, or USAPEAC. Indiana Soybean Alliance and Indiana Corn Marketing Council members also serve on the board of directors for those organizations. Cox went to Dubai as a member of the USAPEAC board. He says he didn't realize how critically important the poultry industry is to moving Indiana soybeans until he took the trip. And to see how important that product is to that part of the world. That's their main food stay, uh, uh, is that meat product, is, is those chickens. And so to see how uh, much of a demand there was are turkeys. Turkeys, huge demand for turkeys. Every processor, distributor that we went to is needing more turkeys or wanting more turkeys. So, th so there's demand there for our product. Every other country in the world is trying to export product into that world to understand that that Dubai region, 85 to 90% of everything that they consume is imported. 
you know, there's a huge market potential there and everybody's vying for it. So these companies that we are uh, in partners with, um, they're all working toward that same goal is to try to move our products into that part of the world. Be sure to catch the video with Cox and Indiana Corn Marketing Council Director Susan Brocksmith, who farms near Vincennes, as they discuss the relationships with these organizations and how they're benefiting Indiana farmers. You can find that on our Facebook page at Hoosier Ag Today. Earlier this week, Fed Chair Jerome Powell told lawmakers in Congress that interest rate increases may have to go higher for longer. That's why many people are concerned about the impact of higher interest rates on farmland prices. C.J. Miller is here in Orlando with me, and he has more on this. I would expect that to have some negative impact on farmland values over the next year, maybe the next two or three years. That's Dr. Jim Mintert, director of Purdue's Center for Commercial Agriculture. He says many people are asking whether it's still a good idea to buy farmland at today's prices, considering that interest rates will likely climb higher down the road. The answer is going to be different for different people depending on their financial situation, but if you're at a sufficient scale where reinvesting dividends uh, is possible and you can do that in terms of picking up that 80 or, or 120 or 160 acres or whatever the number might be, if that fits into your long-term reinvestment of dividend strategy from your existing farming operation, we still think that makes sense. Mintert says patience is one of the main factors in farmland investment. For most of us in agriculture, it's not a one or two or three year decision. It's much more of a multi-decade decision. And so you have to think about it from that perspective in terms of is now the time to invest in a particular property? How does it fit into your operation, et cetera? And how does it fit into your long run uh, strategy for growth and in terms of how you might reinvest your, your existing dividends from your, your existing operation? He also recommends that prospective farmland buyers perform a stress test to measure what they make and what they have on hand before deciding what to borrow and how much debt to add to their farm operation. You know, I think if you go back in history, that was one of the mistakes that people made in, in some prior periods where they got pretty aggressive with growth plans. They didn't think about doing a stress test and thinking about, well, what would happen if, if things unfold in, a, in, a, in an unforeseen way, which is, in this case, might be a, a larger increase in interest rates. It might mean weaker commodity prices than what people are currently projecting. So it's important to think about how you would manage your way through that, which doesn't mean you just pull back and don't do things, but you've got to plan ahead a little bit and and think about those different scenarios. According to Purdue's most recent survey of farmers, 72% said it's a bad time to make large investments, and 27% of those said it's because of rising interest rates. Reporting from Commodity Classic in Orlando, I'm C.J. Miller. All right, C.J., thanks. Plenty of new product announcements take place at Commodity Classic. Corteva AgriScience launched four new products in Orlando, including a new soybean herbicide. Aaron Smith, U.S. Product Manager for Soybean Herbicides at Corteva, says this new proprietary formulation has been a decade in the making. So Inversa is our new soybean residual herbicide. Uh, it's a proprietary formulation of encapsulated acetochlor that's designed to drive to the soil to create a, a long-lasting residual barrier that has both powerful weed control and is very safe on their crops. Their formulation allows the herbicide to literally bounce off the soybean leaf and send it where it's needed, in the ground, so we can battle those tough weeds without worry of damaging your crop. This is going to be labeled to control uh, 20 of those uh, tough to control broadleaf and grass weeds, but specifically we're keying in on the driver weeds in our area, water hemp and Paul Bramaran. Once approved by the EPA, Smith says Inversa herbicide will be the preferred residual tank mix partner of choice for Enlist 1 herbicide for Enlist E3 soybeans. We want to have multiple effective modes of action when, when a product gets sprayed. So Enlist 1 will be uh, the preferred product to be 
tank mixed with Inversa. But it will also be able to be used on non-E3 soybeans as well. Because it can be applied pre and post-emerge and it has a wide application window, it's going to fit on all crop systems for soybeans. In addition to soybeans, Inversa herbicide will be labeled for multiple other crops including corn and sorghum. Product availability is expected in 2024. You can learn more about Inversa at the Corteva website. You can find a link to that at HoosierAgToday.com. And here over the next few weeks, we'll tell you about these other product launches as well. Stick around here to the weekend show. Much more to come from Orlando, Florida, including a chat with the folks at Seed Genetics Direct, the only independent seed company here at Commodity Classic. And then we'll head back to Indiana, where we've been celebrating National School Breakfast Week all week, why American Dairy Association Indiana is involved. And we'll check in at the State House with Indiana Farm Bureau. You're listening to Hoosier Ag This Week from Hoosier Ag Today. Indiana dairy farmers provide us with safe, pure foods for our tables. A responsibility that takes intuition, resolve, and determination to make sure their milk is good for you and delicious to taste. Their connection with our community runs deep, passed down through the generations. They never waver from their task, ensuring that milk is always available at your store. It's not easy being a dairy farmer, but the rewards have special meaning when you can feed Indiana's families every single day. Learn more at winnersdrinkmilk.com. From sunny, warm, beautiful Orlando, Florida and Commodity Classic, I'm Eric Pfeiffer. You're tuned in to Hoosier Ag This Week from Hoosier Ag Today. Commodity Classic really got underway on Thursday here at the Orange County Convention Center in Orlando. On Wednesday, I had the opportunity to get a little bit of a behind-the-scenes look, hitting the trade show floor while everything was still getting set up. And I had a chat with Todd Jeffries, Vice President of Seed Genetics Direct. They're the only independent seed company here at the Commodity Classic. It's important to us because we want to support our customers as well as the National Corn Growers Association. We're starting to get more and more entries into the contest. And while we haven't had anybody play state or nationally quite yet, um, we've had a number of entries incredibly close. We're going to be placing here very soon. Jeffrey says most farmers have their seed purchased at this point, but they were hoping to find some farmers here who might want to give them a try on a few acres because of farmers' desire to work with a family-owned independent company. We have genetics that work that compete with anybody else on the market. Just the other day, I had a customer in north central Indiana, well, prospect, but soon-to-be customer, see us and who's your act today as well as farm world that gave us a call and he wants to give us a try seed genetics direct is nearly set for planting season jeffrey says they have a lot of seed already on the farm i think we're about 70 percent shipped by the end of this week i have talked to a competing seedsman and he doesn't have a single bag to any of his customers and he sells a significant amount and we want to thank the folks at seed genetics direct for sponsoring our coverage here from commodity classic let's head back to indiana now where the legislative session at the indiana state house reached the halfway point last week, a critical halfway point. Bills that passed the House now move to the Senate and vice versa. Indiana Farm Bureau has been following many pieces of legislation throughout the process, including one that just won't seem to go away. We're still working to defeat Senate Bill 451, which is the carbon sequestration 
pilot bill. And that's Jeff Cummins, Director of State Government Relations for Indiana Farm Bureau. A very similar bill was defeated last year with the help of Indiana Farm Bureau and its members. Cummins says this is a landowner's rights issue, where a West Terre Haute company wants to manufacture hydrogen and ammonia and use your subsurface property to store the carbon. Wabash Valley Resources over in West Terre Haute merely has to make each landowner a $250 one-time payment per acre to store their CO2 in that uh, landowner's pore space in the subsurface. And if the landowner doesn't like that, they have to seek mediation or file a lawsuit. Those provisions then result in the price being lower, we think, because it'll be tied to the storage of natural gas. Cummins reminds us this same story played out a year ago when that bill passed the Senate. He's hoping for the same happy ending this time around, where it once again gets struck down in the House. He says that's the part where you come in. We need all hands on deck. We'll be doing an action alert. So for your listeners who are members and get those, uh, watch their inboxes for an action alert. And, and of course, we'd love them to come to the state house if they can make the time to really help us make the case to particularly members of the House now uh, why this bill is bad public policy. You can hear much more on this bill and others being monitored by Indiana Farm Bureau in my full interview with Cummins at HoosierAgToday.com. Taking the message of dairy as part of breakfast each day to Indiana students is now a tradition during National School Breakfast Week, which was this past week. And as Andy Eubank shares, American Dairy Association Indiana visited Richmond High School to kick the week off on Monday. An initiative that's very important to our Indiana dairy farm families, starting your day off right, hoping everyone grabs some dairy as they're starting their day. So it's a really cool event. It's an annual event that we do, and it's always fun to partner up with Indianapolis Colts and bring some of their personalities here and really get the students excited about breakfast. Brooke Williams, Director of Communications at ADAI. That Colts personality was cornerback Stephon Gilmore, one of the best in the NFL and a former Super Bowl champion. He tells Hat he, too, gets excited about breakfast. I tell my wife all the time, like, if I don't have breakfast, I'm not going to have a good day. Um, so I love dairy. I'm a breakfast guy, so I think it's, it's very important to have breakfast because, you know, it starts your day off. You know, it, it, it puts your day in a on the, on the right track, and um, I'm very supportive of it. I feel like if I got breakfast, I don't even really need nothing else for the rest of the day, so uh, it's very important. Williams says Indiana Dairy partners with the Colts to provide a breakfast cart to the school, and it was set up on Monday. If kids aren't uh, typically coming into a cafeteria to get breakfast, the breakfast cart is a piece of equipment that can go anywhere in the school. So um, as you saw this morning, it's right in the hallway. So as students are getting off the bus, they walk right past it. They can grab a yogurt, they can grab a piece of fruit, they can grab an ice cold milk and head off to start their day, go stop by their lockers, get into school, and that way they have a full belly and can really be academically more successful. A little education is part of the appearance too. They make sure students know that one glass of milk offers 13 essential nutrients and 8 grams of protein along with that great taste. Visit winnersdrinkmilk.com to see if your school can set up a visit with the Colts. And the hat video is a great way to see Monday's visit to Richmond. That is at HoosierAgToday.com and our YouTube channel. Very cool, Andy. Thank you very much. And that does it for this edition of Hoosier Ag This Week from Hoosier Ag Today. Coming today from Orlando, Florida. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in Indiana next week and we'll have more farm news then. Same hat time, same hat channel. I'm Eric Pfeiffer, Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's most listened to farm radio network.